you just might be missing out as a school leader. And that is 100% true if you are not capturing the potential that exists within your community partners around and near your school. Ages ago, when I was still a school administrator in Chicago, our fearless leader, DeAndre, formed an incredible partnership with a tech company that was downtown. And this company had as part of their mission and vision to have sort of like outreach efforts and sort of social, you know, good type of projects that they wanted to be a part of and built in time for their people and resources, aka money, to fulfill that mission and vision. And so they sort of adopted our school and we had the best kids with such bright futures and they were really into tech. So they redid the computer lab and got us the MacBooks, right? They got us the furniture. They opened up uh, doors that would have never been opened without the leverage that they had as a big, successful tech company. At the time, too, I was running marathons and raising money for clean water projects all around the world. And they were extremely generous with donations to that as well because it was about supporting our students. So today's conversation really is a deep dive into community partnerships and how a school can be a hub. And we have an expert who's great at that, building relationships outside of the school with partners. And then the second half of the conversation is about developing relationships within the school with our staff. So I'm very pleased to bring you Dr. Woods on the podcast. Hey, it's Danny. I'm a principal development and retention expert. I'm a two-time best-selling author, and I host also two of the world's most downloaded podcasts. This show is for ruckus makers, which means you've made three commitments. You committed to investing in your continuous growth, challenging the status quo, and designing the future of school now. And we'll be right back after some messages from our show sponsors. The secret to peak performance is not complicated. It's a plan on how to optimize the five fundamentals found in the Ruckus Maker Mindset Tool. This simple tool will help you consider where you are now and where you want to be in the next 90 days for each area. You can complete the tool in five minutes or less. Download it for free at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash mindset. Even the most highly effective Ruckus Maker can't be in all classrooms, offering incredible feedback all the time. So what if teachers could gather their own feedback without relying on you? And not only their own feedback, but meaningful feedback that would improve their instruction. Well, check out the TeachFX app by visiting teachfx.com forward slash better leaders, and you can pilot their program today. Go to teachfx.com forward slash better leaders to see how. Why do students struggle? I'd argue that they lack access to quality instruction, but think about it. That's totally out of their control. What if there was something we could teach kids then? What if there was something within their control that would help them be successful in every class? And it's not a magic pill or a figment of your imagination. When students internalize executive functioning skills, they succeed. Check out the new self-paced online course brought to you by our friends, at Organized Binder that shows teachers how to equip their students with executive functioning skills. You can learn more at organizedbinder.com slash go. 
hey, Ruckus Makers. Today I'm joined by Dr. Danielle Tierra Woods, who is a self-motivated enthusiast who seeks opportunities to enhance the lives of today's youth through education, mentorship, and cultural exposures. Currently serving as an assistant principal of the Dr. Joseph E. Johnson Elementary School in Red Clay Consolidated School District, her education philosophy centers on the idea that students learn best when their basic needs and interests are met. A native of Wilmington, Delaware, Dr. Woods obtained her Bachelor's of Arts in Early Childhood Education from Clark Atlanta University and both her Master's of Education in School Leadership and Doctorate of Education in Educational Leadership from Wilmington University. When she's not dedicating her services to the advancement of her students within schools, Woods devotes her time to uplifting her community serving on city, county, and state committees and initiatives. Dr. Woods, welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate it. For sure. So you assert that school needs to be a hub, right? Uh, And that they're not necessarily the hub that they used to be supporting communities in robust ways. Why is that? I think, well, with us going through a pandemic, we've kind of like lost our way just a little bit. But as we are continuing to come out, we've you know, been able to figure out what things that we used to have that were really meaningful and impactful within our schools. And one thing that I really believe is having our schools as communities, having us to be that hub that we used to be. So we're no longer educating our students just with ourselves along. It's not just teachers. It's not just staff. It's not just the school leaders. It's everybody involved. And that makes me even think about our back to school night that we have with me being at a new school. Joseph Elementary School, Johnson Elementary School, we are having our back to school night. But I was like, how can we connect with others who are in the surrounding area to let them know about us, to to see what resources they have to provide those to our families? But I think it's reaching to the right of us, reaching to the left of us, in front of us, even behind us, those we worked with in previous years to be able to help our schools to be that hub that they they used to be for our families and our students. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have planned for back to school night? So by the time, you know, Rockets Makers listening to this, it's already happened. You know, it's November, but I, I like to get inside your head and, and yeah, just pull on this thread of like, how can the school be a hub and how are you doing some innovative things then with open uh, or back to school night? Absolutely. So with me being at Johnson Elementary School, it's my first year here. I've only been here for probably like three weeks. So I know that they have a, a process for, but what I can share with you is what I've done. And what I'm, how I'm looking to bring that here. So when I was at my previous elementary school, we would have a place where the, the teachers would be stationed and the families will come and meet their teachers. Just say, Hey, get a little bit of information, have you look at the classroom, just make that initial connection. And that allows our teachers to be able to say, you know, who they are, but then also learn a lot about the families as well. Because going to school for our kindergartners, or even some of our students who are um, coming to the school for the first time, it could be a little like, we can be a little nervous. So we would have that set up. But then I had all of our community resources set up outside. They loved the idea, but then it got hot. <laughs> so this year I'll be trying to find some shade for them. Um, but I was glad to have a plethora of them lining the school to where families could, as they walked up, meet the community organizations like our Boys and Girls Club or like our organization for our county, Newcastle Newcastle County Project Seed. We also had Girls Inc., Girls on the Run, 
We had our local churches who provide us resources. We even had an organization called Friendship House that provided uniforms and clothing for our students um, as well as our families. So having that all lined up for them um, and then thinking about what things do I need to make sure that they know while they're here. It was very inviting. We had our DJ playing. We had food. We had, well, not a lot. It was snacks. But we made sure that we provided them with the resources that they they needed. And when I mentioned the information, I think that's important. Sometimes our families come out in large numbers for specific events. So while they are here, my, my idea was what what do they need to know? You know, if it's meeting our counselors, if it is meeting our psychologists, if it is getting not only that, but our Chromebooks. <laughs> because they have to use that one-on-one technology, but putting the information in a packet for them as soon as they get here, but making them feel very warm, very, very welcome, um, and also helping them to understand that we're here for them. One other table that I did have, and I did this a while back when I was working in the city, we were talking about just gaining information from families. We're often giving, but it's reciprocal. What, what do you want to tell us while you are here? So I had a table and... At the table, there were jars. The jars were empty, but I had stones, like little little glass stones you get from like the dollar store. And there were different topics that our community partners could speak on. But then maybe there were some things that we found that parents talked to us about throughout the year. So it might have been like homework help, or it might have been um, counseling, or it might have been resources for for families, or whatever it may have been. So I allowed them to drop stones in the jars that they felt that they wanted to know more information about. And because we had our community partners, it was an easy connection. Hey, this is what our family said immediately. They want to know more about how they can get support for maybe their light bills, or maybe if there's like an eviction that's coming up and they're like, I need this, but who do I go to? Or maybe they want to support with their child during homework. So how can we connect you all with them? And setting those programs up, but letting the families know these are the people that we surrounded ourselves with and that are supporting our school in and out. So, yeah, yeah. To reflect back to what I heard, you know, starting with that in mind and like what, what's the information we want people to know. So designing the, you know, the event around that. Secondly, really creating a, a welcoming, you know, experience, right, where folks would feel like they belong. And then you, you did a nice thing where you had the community partners actually outside of the school. Basically, you know, before people even enter campus, like here we are, uh, we're the support. So I, I really, I really like that. And then you, you have this um, jar idea with the stones. Can you tell me a little bit more? Like, what did, what did you do with that information? Cause like you said, schools give a lot. Sometimes they don't ask for it. And that was data. So how did you use that data? So I use that data to connect to the needs of our families. So like I said, if that was like, they needed support with homework at home, or if that was resources for their families, if that was even just talking about like healthy habits, just making sure that I connected them with the programming that our community partners already had in place. And it was a way for that extension, not just to happen with the, or that connection, not just to happen with the kids, but for it to go deeper with our families. Um, Because I think sometimes we only use one aspect of our community partners and that's, hey, we have like, for example, this after school program happening. Oh, can you come in and can you support? But our programming or the programming for our communities, community partners is very robust. How can we pull out the other aspects? 
I had a meeting the other day with an organization um, called Friendship House, and they provide um, clothing to our schools. And it wasn't until I actually spoke with the director that I learned they do more than that. <laughs> so I was asking her, okay, how can we then possibly connect our families with potential employment or even just sharing with them other ways that you go about supporting the community. But it starts with those conversations and then it goes to, you know, just connecting the things that they have. And of course, we counted the stones and saw which ones were more popular. But because we have a ton of community partners, um, we were able to, you know, support in a multitude of different ways. Yeah, that's almost like dot voting, right? Where people, um, whatever show their preference. But yeah, if a, if a hundred families say we want support with this, well, the school better start communicating and figure out a solution for that. So that's yeah, that's what I'm hearing there. That's really cool. Did they just write that topic on the stone? Did they put their name as well? Or So I actually put the topics out. Oh, okay. And then there was a space for them to like, if there was something else that they wanted to add, they could, you know, put it there. But they went and dropped stones. Was, there was nothing on the stones, but they would just drop a stone in uh, the paper and represented it. Yeah. Yep. The jars so were organized by topic. And if a parent wanted to hear about topic X, they'd drop the stone in there. Yes. Yes. Got it. Okay. Articulate it. Yes. It makes sense. I just, I, I have a lot of, a lot of questions. So that's super cool. For the ruckus maker listening to, I'm just going to point you to a book. It's called uh, Design for Belonging. And in there, uh, I had a conversation with Dr. Susie Wood, who's uh, outside of Stanford, but she did some interesting things just like Danier did with meeting parents where they're at and using, using them to figure out how the school could best serve. So there's some really interesting activities there. And I'm just, uh, yeah, inviting you to check out the book. Danier, I want to also like, I guess, keep pulling on the thread of the school acting as a hub in the community. So we, we heard about back to school night, but is there anything else? I'm sure there's a lot happening throughout the school year. Is there one more idea that you want to share with the ruckus maker in terms of how schools connect as that hub? The first thing that came to mind, well, there were two things. There was one um, where we had like a resource fair for our families. So not just in the beginning of the year, but then also to bringing those resources back because things change and we have new families that come in. But using our time with our families, like for our reading night. We have families come to reading night and our math night. And at the tail end of that, uh, we ask families to go into our gym or our cafeteria and get stamps from the different tables. And that, that way the kids can get a, a prize or maybe it was like um, a little, like a fruit cup or something like that. But it encouraged them to meet other individuals um, after they participated with the reading or the math event. But I would say that would be a way to continue to push that information out to families, especially because we know um, the years change or has, as the years change, or as the days change, excuse me, our families come from all over and they want to uh, know what's happening at the school. So the same people that started with us, there may be some changes or not, may not be the same people that in the school year with us, but utilizing those dates, like our math nights and our reading nights, to continue to put those resources before our parents is something um, that I thought that we did really well. And I'll also add too, for our math nights and our reading nights, we were very strategic about them. And I think this goes back to it being like that hub. Some of our families in looking at like our, our jar for the academic support, 
they don't know what to do all the time. Math is different, as they say, and this is the new math. <laughs> so we thought, you know, why not just, why just give resources? Why, why not just have the parents come in and we teach them how to use this with their kids? So we pulled the data for our families, um, the reading data, and we saw that, you know, this grade band needs support on this and this grade band needs support on that. So when they come into the classrooms, they're getting things that are specific to what their students' needs are. But then we taught the parents how to play the game with them. So it's like they're having fun while they're learning because one thing that I did notice too in research, like homework sometimes, like the effectiveness of it is not really high on the list. It's one of those things that can bring about frustration um, at home. It can bring about just a, a very challenging time depending on, you know, the the understanding of the parent and the understanding of the child. So we wanted to support with that in creating a game. So teaching them how to actually do that game and walking the parents step by step by step. We saw many families leaving the classrooms excited, you know, wanting to go down to the the resource fair to get additional information and learn about the community partners that we had um, at the school. So just trying to make it fit the kids, but then also what do our parents need and how can we get the most bang for our buck in a sense. Right. So you're an expert connector and, and bridge builder. And I would also assert, right, that developing relationships and building these connections within the community is super important for for the success of the school and the students. Uh, that's not easy for everybody, right? Like it's it's probably maybe like riding a bike for you, but for others, how do I even, what's step one? So I'm, I'm curious for like novice ruckus makers who aren't yet really leveraging the resources that exist in the community. I'm just curious, like how do you approach actually even building those connections? And I'm also curious because people are always going to talk about time, right? Where do you find the time to do this as well? So I actually shared a little bit of this at an event that we had in Delaware. It's called Policy and Practice. And it was really, really awesome to be able to share this with uh, other leaders across the state. Because one thing that we do want, we want resources. We want the connections. But how do we go about doing it, right? Similar to what you asked me. And... I was able to share with the participants that it's it starts off small. <laughs> you just do a needs assessment. What do you um already have or not a needs assessment? You do an assessment of your school and see what you already have within your school. You have staff members who may have family that are connected to different resources. You may um have connections yourself and just jotting those things down. Maybe it's even like a form. You know, if you know someone that does a particular thing, whether it be academic, whether it can support our social or emotional um, or behavioral needs for the school, they can share that through a form. But then I invited them to look around their school, like within five miles or even a mile, you know, take a ride around your school, see what businesses or organizations are right there. Where my previous school was and where my current school is, there we're surrounded <laughs> by different organizations, um, not just homes, but there are people who do specific things that can be a support. And what I do know is that our community organizations, they all, everybody wants to help in some way, shape or form, but doing an assessment of who you know, and then also to what's surrounding you. And then taking it back to your data, looking at your data and saying, okay, this is what we have around us. These are people that I know. But then what are the needs for our school? How can I connect 
these individuals or these organizations to the needs of our school. But I think it starts there. Got it. Cool. Well, Dr. Woods, I'm enjoying our conversation. We're going to pause here just for a second to get some messages in from our sponsors. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about connections, but connections now within the school, not outside the school. Okay. What do you see in your classrooms? And how did you see it? As a principal, you can't be everywhere at once. So how can you help support every teacher in the building? With TeachFX, teachers can gather their own feedback without relying on classroom observations. The TeachFX instructional coaching app is like giving every teacher their own instructional coach whenever they want it. Ruckus makers can pilot TeachFX with their teachers. Visit teachfx.com forward slash better leaders to learn how. That's teachfx.com forward slash better leaders. Teachers give it their all to empower their students. But what is it that truly lays the foundation for learning? What sets all students up for success? As you know, unless students develop a solid foundation for learning, it doesn't matter how great teachers deliver content or how emergent the technology is or even how engaging a lesson might be. When students hone executive functioning skills, those seemingly intangible suite of habits and behaviors, teachers' efforts find fertile ground and everyone succeeds. Ironically, did you know that executive functioning skills are not taught? Rather, they are best learned when students get practice using them by virtue of engaging in a predictable daily learning routine. Our friends at Organized Binder have created a new course that will teach your teachers how to set students up for success. And you can learn more at organizedbinder.com slash go. Help your students succeed at organizedbinder.com slash go. All right. And we're back with Dr. Danielle Tierra Woods. And it's so awesome to have you here talking about connections outside in the community and uh, building those partnerships. I want to bring our focus now inward in terms of connecting with our staff. And I know that you really enjoy hosting staff one-on-ones. So can you talk to us a bit about your approach? Absolutely. So with me coming into this new school, Johnson Elementary, um, and even my previous school, I think it's important to learn about the people that I'm going to be working with. And one thing that I did was have like colleague conversations. And we just got together and we talked about them. I didn't want to talk about academics. Some of them slid academics in. But I just really wanted to get to know who they were, what they were all about, what their goals were, how their summer was going. And I think that that's an important practice to have just by having, you know, small chats, because I believe that we're to learn with each other. We have to learn about each other. So in those conversations, I learned what or which individuals had families that did specific work within the state, within the city, within the county. And that was really like eye opening. It was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. we have everything we need or a lot of the things that we keep right here within the school. But if I would have never had those conversations, I wouldn't have known, you know, that, you know, one of our, our teachers here or a librarian more so, she has her her dog that she brings to the school. It's really cool too to have a dog that's always in the school, um, but it provides our students with pet therapy. Um, so that's a resource for our students. They're having, you know, a moment and they just need to just sit with a pet and just, calm down and de-escalate. That's a resource that's immediately there. Or some of our teachers have connections with families or their families actually provide certain services. But just 
all together, having those chats, seeing what they do, learning about them and how that can contribute to the betterment of our students and of our school overall. An interesting thing, like if you don't do that, you might accidentally unintentionally cause a rift between relationships, right? Like people might take things personally in offense, right? Like what if you went out and paid a lot of money and got a therapy dog, which is a good thing for the students, not realizing that a teacher could do that, right? That their dog was a certified or whatever, all that kind of stuff. And they're thinking, oh, it's because Dr. Woods doesn't like me, right? So I appreciate you sharing that. Do you, Dania, do you like, do you have a script of questions and then veer off of them? Or are you just naturally, you know, okay with talking with people? But tell us a little bit more about that. It's both. I just make sure that I, because I don't want to be robotic in my conversations, uh, but I do want to get to know them personally. So I'll begin with, you know, tell me about your summer. How are, how are things going? And, you know, they make sure like trips and things that they have going on or that they've just been really relaxing and just taking a summer off. Um, but then I'll go into like family, you know, friends, you know, I learn about what people are reading, what activities that they're doing, and then just try to make connections there too. I think that's important. I found that people, some of the people are riding bikes. I like to ride bikes. Some of them are reading. So now I'm like, okay, if you read a book or I read a book, let's share. Maybe we can read a book together, you know, so just sharing those kinds of things. But I like to end with asking them, not academically, but, you know, what are your professional or personal goals for yourself? Some people may share that I'm working on um, not taking in too much sugar this year, or I am working on my time management or my consistency. And that allows me to support them as well. Because I'll ask, now that you told me that, can I help you out with that? Can we work together? Can we, you know, you know, so they're always like, you know, yeah, or, you know, I'll let you know how it's going, you know, so (laughs) I can touch base with them or I can help to be an accountability partner. But it's more, it allows me to be more of a connection with our staff because I'm not just coming in to see academics. I'm also coming to check on them because I work with people and people matter. So, yeah, people matter. And you're seeing and hearing the people that you're serving in front of you. I, I really appreciate, you know, admire that you're doing a connection just like out, it's, it's about stuff that matters outside of school, which helps the teachers be effective inside the school. Uh, and then you're asking for permission too. Hey, can I follow up with you on this? Right. If you're not trying to sugar and I see you got, uh, uh, a bag full of sour, sour, you know, kids. <laughs> can I smack those out of your hand? I'm pretty yeah, sure right to eat them. Yeah, what are we working on? Okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I will say this too. If Ruckus Maker, if you haven't yet read my third book, Build Leadership Momentum, there is a resource that has all the questions that you should ask in a one-on-one like Danielle's talking about. Uh, and that's included within the book too. And it could just uh, get you started. So even though it's November, the beautiful thing about 90-day planning, you could do it four times throughout the year and really set yourself up for success. So thanks for sharing that. So, and two, like that permission piece, like use the data that you collect because then it's just, you're demonstrating that you care, right? So just check it in with people and that kind of thing. So that's awesome. You're, you're building connections within the school. And I will say, and I don't know if you can relate with this, Danielle, but a lot of schools struggle with this us versus them tension, right? Yeah. And I'm just curious, like how you approach that because it's really, it's really, there is no them. It, it's all us. It's all we. Absolutely. So how do you approach that? I have really been taking my time coming into the school. I'm a person who has a lot of ideas. I'm like, oh, 
I could do this, I could do that, I could do this. But then also to knowing my audience. And I find that no matter where I go, that us versus them does come up a little bit. And I hope the staff to know that we're all on the same team. I ask for their thoughts and their ideas about a particular thing. I may, you know, have in my mind, you know, what I would like for it to be. But I know that in working with the team, I need their input, especially if what I'm trying to, you know, make sure happens from district level down to the building level. I need to make sure that I I get their input. So similar to having the conversations, it was the other day that we were creating our handbook. And I know that was a need for the building. And I could have easily just sat at home and typed it up or sat in my office and typed it up and be like, oh, here it is. Our brand new shiny handbook. It's already ready. It's printed in Spanish and English. It's ready to go. But I thought how much more buy-in and support would I get from our staff? And then also to building that connection. If I were to have them come in and say, okay, you take pages five and six, look at that. And then how can we add more to our academic or our discipline um, procedures or for dismissal and arrival, you take pages six and seven and just getting them to add into our documents for our school that allow them to take that ownership to also feel like they're a part of it. And I really needed them too. (laughs) I could have built it by myself, but I think that that was a, a good way for me to diminish a lot of the us versus them. And then when something does come up, like say if there's an issue throughout the school year, I can, I try to do my best to just go check in before, you know, something becomes like a, a huge issue. I might go check in with our, our union rep or maybe our team leads and say, you know, what's going on? Like, how can we work through this particular thing? And then they may give me that insight because they are my leaders for the building, an extension of myself, an extension of what we're aiming to do for or with the school. So having those individuals in position to be able to listen and communicate to me what it is that, you know, we need to improve on. So we're doing it together. So I think that helps out with diminishing the us versus them. Yeah. And the handbook example is really nice too, because uh, it's not going through the whole thing with the entire staff, you know, it's breaking Mm -hmm. up into teams and giving chunks as well. So uh, I think that's quite effective. So thanks for sharing that. We're at the moment where I ask the last three questions I ask all my guests, and I'm looking forward to seeing how you will answer. So, Danielle, if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message be? That's a really good question. Thank you. <laughs> I would remind schools that there is connection and community. And I think that goes back to initially what you were saying about what I think schools should be which is they should be that hub that they used to be. And as we are working towards that, having that reminder that there's connection and community inside the school, there's connection and community outside the school, just reaching across, reaching in front of us, reaching behind us, reaching alongside of us for the betterment of our students and of our school as as a whole. And if you could build your dream school and you weren't constrained by any resources, your only limitation was your ability to imagine how would Danielle build her dream school? What would be the three guiding principles? These are really good questions. There's a reason why this show has been downloaded over 2 million times. Yeah, this makes me even want to like ask my staff that. What would you envision here? So I would say if I didn't have any limitations, 
I would want my dream school to be inclusive of all students, no matter. Well, of course, we have to have age ranges, of course, elementary, middle school, high school. But just being inclusive and accepting of all students, I think that it's important to just see a student, but then also recognize that they're all different and they all are very unique and how and understand how their uniqueness actually adds to the place that we serve in. So just being inclusive. I would also say that hmm, I would make sure that our schools are inviting people in who want to serve and support students who have a love for learning, but then also to want to show up and be their authentic selves. I know sometimes, even as an educator, I often felt like I was confined in a way and I couldn't like cross certain lines and do certain things. I want people to come in and I want them to be their authentic selves because when our students see our teachers and our staff enjoying what they do, then they in turn enjoy learning, enjoy being in the school. I want them to not want to go home. I want them to be, you know, um, like I was when I was in elementary, middle school. I had a moment where I was sick when I was in elementary school and my mom was like, Dee, you cannot go to school. And I was like, but I need to go. I want to go. I had to, I, I was crying. I remember my mom telling me this. She was like, you have always been adamant about your academics and just, you know, being the best scholar that you could be. So I would want students to feel that same excitement and, and sense of belonging when they are in schools, as well as the staff too, just having that place that they feel that they have that ownership or they have voice and what is happening in that space. But those are, those are the two things that I can come up with um, right now, just helping people to be their authentic selves and giving them the space to be able to do that while also educating students and while students are learning, but then also to being inclusive of all who walk through our doors. But as long as we're working to, together for the, for the success of our students, I think that that would be a great place to be. Be a great place to be. So we talked about a lot today of everything we discussed. What's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I would want a ruckus maker to remember that in the work of education, that we can't do it alone. We don't have all the ideas, but the people that are around us, the people that are across the street in those businesses or that may be in the classroom setting up, that they have answers to the problems that we have and getting them at a table, getting them on a Zoom, that we can actually support and serve our students in the best way possible. But just knowing that you aren't in it alone and to utilize the resources and the people that are surrounding you. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. How would you like to lead with confidence, swap exhaustion for energy, turn your critics into cheerleaders, and so much more? The Ruckus Maker Mastermind is a world-class leadership program designed for growth-minded school leaders just like you. Go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash mastermind. Learn more about our program and fill out the application. We'll be in touch within 48 hours to talk how we can help you be even more effective. And by the way, we have cohorts that are diverse and mixed up. We also have cohorts just for women in leadership and a BIPOC-only cohort as well. When you're ready to level up, go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash mastermind and fill out the application. Thanks again for listening to the show. Bye for now and go make a ruckus. Go make a ruckus.